I, as a child, I can remember I, when I was a little, little kid, I like sports. I like sports. And I would hear about my favorite football player or baseball player or basketball player. And I would hear how much my money they made. And as a little guy like Cody's age, I remember sitting up to my dad, standing up to my dad and being like, Dad, I'm going to be like Michael Jordan one day and I'm going to make millions of dollars. And he kind of laughed at me. <laughs> kind of. My mother was the one who really laughed at me. But anyways, um, when, when you think about that, I read an article uh, this week about 10 basketball players who made over $100 million and you probably have more money than they do today. Isn't that crazy to think about? The majority of people who win the lottery go bankrupt. Doesn't that blow your mind? You hear stories about how um, there are some people that they'll play the lottery, play the lottery, play the lottery, and the second they, they win the lottery, they get divorced from their spouse, and they're going to go off and live a wonderful life, and that backfires on them in a hurry. And it's just, it's just so sad. Because people put their wishful thinking, their hope, in things that are going to leave them disappointed. Hope in the lottery disappoints you. And I guess it kind of goes along with what I was talking about this morning, about how when I was uh, real young and out of Bible class, and I saw that thing on, on the Pepsi can, and I said, God, if I, if I win all that money... You know, I'll promise I'll use it for you and I'll just I'll just give it all to you and and we'll see what you can do. God, I'm so glad that God never did anything like that for me because he's blessed so much more. Because hope in the lottery, hope in in earthly gains, it disappoints. But hope in God doesn't disappoint. That's something, and, and I've put a lot of focus on the fact that, that the cross changed the believer's vocabulary. I've been talking about that a lot lately. You look at words like grace, mercy, faith, hope in the Old Testament, and you look at them in the New Testament, and there's a big difference between the way John and Paul and Peter used those words compared to the way that guys like Moses, Job, David used those words. Because you see things differently through the lens of the cross. The blood of, the blood of Jesus Christ fills the life of a believer and it changes everything. Like I said last week, it changes everything. Not only our vocabulary from being four-letter words, but it changes a lot of the four or five-letter words that you find in the Bible, like hope. And one of the things that doesn't change about the word hope, I don't care if you're looking at the Old Testament hope, which focused on your earthly life, or the New Testament hope, which focused on your eternal life, there's one thing that really doesn't change. 
Hope will not leave you ashamed. Biblical hope. Earthly hope. The world's hope. I hope that I I hope that I become a world famous athlete. Is there a lot of people that are disappointed by that? For every story that I've ever heard about somebody who worked hard to become a professional athlete. I think I've heard a thousand of people who were almost there, but an injury sidelined them. Would you agree? For every person, actually, I've never met anybody who won millions in the lottery. But I've met a lot of people who spent a lot of money on trying to win the lottery. And have been disappointed. Uh, We think that a business adventure will make us succeed. A love of someone we admire. But it's not until we find hope in the Lord where we really find a hope that will not disappoint. Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 69. Psalm 69. In Psalm 69 in verse 6 it says, Let those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. It says, let not those who wait for you, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed because of me. What, what, as we read in that verse, I don't read the word hope. But if you've been sitting and you've been listening to me for the last couple of weeks, what word in there is? could you translate and could you have be hope? Wait. If you've been sitting here and, and listening and looking, sometimes that word is translated wait. Sometimes it's translated as hope. You could, you could change that. And it'd be perfectly okay with the way that they translated it. It said, let not those who hope for you, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed. When you wait on the Lord, when your hope is in the Lord, you will not be ashamed. He will not leave you waiting. Another verse that goes along with that is Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 23. Let's turn our Bibles to that verse. Isaiah chapter 49. And verse 23, those of you guys reading through the Bible in a year, just remember, as you are reading through the Bible, and and me and the Samsons were talking about this just a minute ago, when you get to 1 Chronicles, and it's this person begat that person, who begat that person, and, and, and as you're reading through those, and you find that little prayer of Jabez, Remember the days are coming when you're going to get to them to this portion of Isaiah. I love this this part of Isaiah chapter 49, 43, 40, some amazing verses of scripture and words that you can hang on to and hopefully they'll come on a day that you need them the most. But in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 23 it says, "Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers." They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth. 
and lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. For they shall not be ashamed who wait or who have hope in me. When you have hope in the Lord, you will not be ashamed. He will not leave you disappointed. Other people will. Other people will leave you so disappointed. And often it's the people that that we admire and maybe someone that we see as a celebrity who we look up to. And we think, oh boy, that person's really going to make a difference or or, or that per- those people really, really will leave you disappointed. But God will never leave you with disappointment. So there are some things that people, and, and this is Sunday night, so we're kind of relaxed. So I'm kind of looking for a response. I hope you guys don't feel that, that you can't respond tonight because we're in an evening service. But there are things, and I took four things from the Old Testament that You should not put your hope in. But people put their hope in all the time. So I'm looking at some responses from you guys. What are some things that you think people in the world or or believers may put their hope in, but they really probably shouldn't put their hope in it? Yep. Idols. Okay. And today people hope in idols. What? Good health. All right. Good health. Money. Yeah. What else? Friends. Kings. Government. Okay. Say, yeah. Very, very similar. Family. Family? How about, how about a job? How about retirement? How about a home? Uh, land. Promise of inheritance. Lots of things that you can put your hope in. Your parents, your children. And all of those things have the potential to leave you lacking. Here are a couple from the Old Testament that you should not place your hope in. The first thing from the Old Testament not to put your hope in is riches. Don't place your hope in riches. They will leave you disappointed. Let's turn in our Bibles to Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31. In Job 31 in verse 24, I read these words. If I have made gold my hope, or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced, Because my wealth was great, and because my hand had gained much, if I have observed the sun when it shines, or the moon moving in brightness, so that my heart has been secretly enticed, and my mouth has kissed my hand, this also would be an iniquity deserving of judgment, for I would have denied God who is above. Don't place your hope in riches. If you think, if I just get so much money, that then I will have made it. I will have achieved what I want, what I set out to do. 
If that's what your hope is, I'm sure there'll be something in the in the path that will leave you disappointed. Hope and riches will leave you full of disappointment. Let's also look over the, the verses up there on the screen. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. I liked what I was listening to Mrs. Sampson as I walked up front here. And she said, I've been reading through Proverbs chapter 11. And I just, as I come to a verse, I'll read it and, and I'll say, oh, those guys in the government, those Democrats. And she said, she said, I just say that over and over and over again. Um, when we read the, the book of Proverbs, I'm sure we do notice the people that we, we run into and people in the world and people who have not placed their hope in Christ, but placed their hope in other things. And they are going to find them to be lacking. They're going to put their trust in things that they shouldn't. And in, ver in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28, it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Well, I hope that as you go through your week, the songs, that Christian songs come to your mind. And songs that are going to lead you to a Savior. I thought it was pretty neat. I was talking, talking to Scott and Teresa. And Scott is a guy who has never, ever been to church. His parents didn't take him to church. He hasn't gone to church, but since he's been coming here, he's been praying. He's been reading his Bible. And he's decided, he prayed a sinner's prayer, and he decided to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he said, Pastor Scott, I went to that movie night, and I heard the story of that guy about how God got a hold of his life. And I saw so much of myself in it. He said, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. And so I said, I, I've been listening to that mercy me. And I said, that's great, Scott. And I was hoping I had it on my phone and I didn't. I got to get it to Scott. I said, does the song that I've listened to, that I sing in my set. I said, I'll quote it for you, Scott, but I won't sing it to you. I won't, I won't do that, make you go through that torture. But I said, Scott, I, this is a song I want you to listen to, and I want you to learn. It's the love of God. And I said, I want you to listen to that song. I want you to listen to that song. I want you to listen to that song. And I want you to think about the, the words of the last verse, which say, could we with ink the oceans fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above 
would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. The love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. And I know some of you guys have gotten a chance to meet Scott and Teresa. And uh, I'm just excited with what God's doing in his life and how a lot of you guys are going out of your way to love that family. They've been through a lot. Keep it up, church family. Keep it up. And I'm hoping that in the hard times, he'll remember a song like that. And it'll mean something to him. Another thing that we shouldn't have hope in. Some of you said riches just a moment ago. Another one that we shouldn't have hope in is in idols. And I know I heard Diane say, well, in the Old Testament, if we're talking the Old Testament, they had hope. In idols, absolutely. Let's, as we're talking about this, let's turn in our Bibles to 115, Psalm 115. And, and yes, we picture the children of Israel. And, and you read through the Old Testament and the gods that they worshipped, Just and, and how could they worship the God of the Bible, the invisible God, who had led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, but at the same time, they had added Baal and Asheroth and Dagon and Molech and so many others. They were sacrificing their children. To, and we just go, how in the world? How could they do that? And I say, well, I, as a Christian, I don't get it. Because there's only one God for me. There's only one person who, who takes that place. And nothing should be that, that important. Only God takes the throne of my heart. But at the same time, I watch as, as people are so swayed by things. And I, it just, it baffles me. Sometimes I will want to challenge a young person about a movie that they've watched or some singer that they like or the music that they listen to. And I don't come out and say, that's evil, but I, I just... Challenge them. What, what is that person saying? What, what is it, the message that they're, and boy, they get defensive. And I, I know if something's important to me, and maybe it's taking a place in, in my life, and it gets attacked, I'll, I can do the same thing. I can get just as defensive. I think there's only one thing that we really should, when we stop and think about it, there's only one thing that we should really get that defensive about and stand, stand up for. And that's God. Nothing else should take that place. I'm not saying that we shouldn't defend our families. Please don't, don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say. 
But I'm just saying, no song, no movie, no music, no no athlete, no anything, no clothing should take the place that only God belongs. I still would like to think that no piece of clothing to me should be that important that if my neighbor didn't need it, I couldn't hand it off at a moment's notice. I always think about that when kids will call. I had one student. He'd come in every other week. Mr. Wilson, do you see these shoes? Do you know how much these shoes are worth? And I would always look at him. I do this every week. And I'd look at him and I'd say, I don't care. <laughs> and he'd say, no, no, you got to guess. And I'd say, I really don't care. They're sneakers. I got mine for 20 bucks. And I thought, Mark, you were talking about that. You got a pair for 20 bucks. They're great sneakers, right? Yeah. You didn't have to pay $250 for those, are you? They're the ones that God wanted you to have. And, yeah. And if somebody needed them, you'd give them to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I, I, I still love that kid. Gave him a hug just Saturday. And I know God's got a plan for him, and I'll still challenge him. Put God above your sneakers. So Psalm 115, verse 3 says, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. And this is, this is I love the imagery here that God gives us. They have mouths, but they don't speak. Eyes they have. But they do not see. They have ears. But they do not hear. Noses they have. But they do not smell. They have hands. But they do not handle. Feet they have. But they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. I love that verse. So is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help. And their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Who is their help and shield? If you put your trust in an idol, you will be disappointed. I, 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 that's one of the things that just it sticks in your mind once you get it. They have mouths, but they don't speak. They have eyes, but they don't see. And they have ears, but they don't hear. And, and through the Old Testament, you read about our God. And what does he do? He inclines his ear to hear you. He sees the affliction of his people. He speaks through his prophets. He touches the feelings of our infirmities. There's one, he even... Smell the prayers of the saints are a sweet aroma to the Lord. He, he's the He's the one who created our senses, isn't he? He interacts with us with those same types of abilities. He created us in His image. So every time you 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 smell something sweet, remember that your prayers being offered up to God are sweet smelling savor. The, the good works that you do. 
bring a sweet smell to him. Every time you hear something that's beautiful, picture God bending over and going, I'm listening. And remember that God speaks to us. And God sees us when we're in our need. He's not like an idol. Let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. Might have a little bit of trouble finding it's minor prophet. If you find Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. And you're getting close. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 18 and 19 say, What prophet is the image that its makers should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols. Woe to him who says to wood, awake. To silent stone arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. Don't let, don't let a thing become your idol that you put your hope in. Another thing that in the Old Testament that, that people put as something that they would hope in was military might. And don't put your hope in military might. Let's look in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 31. Isaiah chapter 31. In Isaiah chapters 31, verses 1 to 3, it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen, because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise, and will bring disaster, and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers, and against the help of those who work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men, and not God, and their horses are flesh, and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall, and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. I think about this. In our life, how many times have we heard and we, we talked about how the United States is a military superpower, one probably like the world has never seen before. I have sat with friends and talked about how uh, one American aircraft carrier has enough firepower on it to conquer a country. Isn't that just beyond your, what you can even fathom? And in our lives, we have been privileged to live in this country of America. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, I can I can remember sitting with my grandpa Morgan when I went to go to go and spend some time with him during the summer and I sat and I talked with him about World War II 
And I got an education. Probably a better education than I ever got in history class in school. And I had a really, really good history teacher. And in both high school and college. But I learned a lot from sitting and talking with my grand, grandfather about the Pacific Theater. He didn't see a, see a lot, but he saw enough to know that the world needed to do better than what had happened in World War II. I worry about kids today because recent, and, and I talked about this just a week ago. There's been a spike in talk on the internet about World War III. And the kids at school, they were talking about these things that I don't get them either. So don't try to come and ask me what they are. Memes about World War III. And they'll show me these short little video clips about like, Guys, when they find out they have been drafted for work, and, and it's a joke. If they knew what people like my grandfather went through in World War II, they wouldn't joke about World War III. And it's kind of scary because our kids are growing up in a time where, where they don't understand what our what our Grandparents, our parents or grandparents went through to win battles in World War I and World War II. And so they just think that the American military uh, is going to carry them through. Well, the American military is fought by soldiers who are proud of their country. And it, it had meaning and privilege. And, and I wonder if there's a day when America will rely on that military might and think that they can stand behind it and they don't remember those who went before them and who fought for them and they'll be disappointed. It could happen. I don't want it to happen. But our, our hope is not in military might. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Military could leave us disappointed, but our God never will. I have one more tonight, and that's that's another thing we shouldn't have our earthly hope in, is people. Oh, yeah. How many times have we put our, our hope in people? They'll disappoint you. And if you haven't learned that lesson yet, I don't know what rock you've had your head under. But people are going to leave you disappointed. You will count on them. You will expect that they will show up. And they won't. One of the things that I can remember counseling a good friend of mine. And he is talking to me about how he had accepted Jesus Christ as his personal say, and he was so excited about it, so excited about it. He'd gone to a church, at a big church, and, and he had gotten saved. He had accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he went through that week, and he was so excited, so excited about it. And he went back the, the next week, and this is something that, that's never gotten out of my head. And he said, it was this big church, and, and after the service, I, I went up to the pastor and I was so excited to tell him that I accepted the Lord as a personal Savior. As my personal Savior. And he said, I told him, I said, 
I trusted Jesus last week. And the pastor was like, oh. And walked right past him. And he was like, I made this life-changing decision. And this pastor acted like, well, yeah, dozens of people do that every week. So? And boy, that, that sunk into me. And I said, man, I want to... I want to see people saved. And I say, if I if I hear some people say, I don't care if they're five, and they're that kid that, yeah, they got saved last year and the year before that, and the year before that. So? Or if it's a person who you think, you know, yeah, they went to prison, and they're feeling bad about what they did, so... They want to find God. Oh, if somebody comes and they say, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and their eyes are lit up, it's like, hallelujah! Somebody accepted Jesus! But you know what I realize? Try as I might, I might let people down. I don't, I don't want to. You, you don't probably don't want to let people down. But you're going to. So one of the things I want to remind people, I want to remind people, I want to remind people, don't let your faith be anchored to a person. Never let it be anchored to a person. Let your faith and your hope anchor be tied around the cross. Nothing else. Because people will disappoint you. But Jesus Christ never will. Don't let it ever be tied to anything besides the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places, in the wilderness, in a salt land, which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the years of doubt, nor will cease from yielding fruit. We live in a time with a lot of anxiety. You hear that word all the time. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. I hear about teenagers all the time. That they can't be here because they've got strong anxiety. And I'm not, I'm not saying that anxiety is not a real thing. By all means, no. But I think if your roots are planted in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and your faith and your trust and your hope are in Him, it takes time to grow those deep, good roots. But when they are, 
It can help calm, calm that anxiety. When the Holy Spirit begins to work in, in a way that if you don't know the Lord, you'll never understand. You need that. You need that hope that's anchored. Not in a man. Not in a person. Not in military might, idols, riches. It's got to be anchored in the Lord. And then, and then, you can have true hope. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I pray that you'll help us to have true hope. To Lord, take our anchor and wrap it around the cross. And Lord, to let you be a God that sees and hears and smells and tastes and feels and makes a difference in our world, in our lives. And Lord, I just pray that you might help us to live for you. I thank you and I praise you for what you do for us. Lord, if we're anxious tonight, if the things we've hoped in have fallen apart, help us come back to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to our God in heaven, and let him be the hope that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.